to BitStorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. Hello. So, I think we will jump right in to some click pitch this week. Trevor, do you want to tell our friends at home what click pitch is all about? Click pitch is a game where we've each got a random word generator in front of us on the th- count of three, two, one click. We're going to click, refresh, get those words, throw them at each other, come up with a game design. Then when it doesn't work, throw it away. That's it. I think that might be our most succinct and quick, quickest intro yet. I've just <laughs> ruined it by pointing it out. All right, let's do it. Three, two, one click. Flexibility. Frenzy. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. My, my very first thought, and we're going to go with this because it's improv was some sort of gas that makes people go into a frenzy, gets pumped into a yoga studio, and um, somehow you're having to, like, fight your way through all these uber-flexible uh, uh, enemies that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I um, first thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I, I, I basically had a had almost a mini game I was going to say as part of it. Like, I'm imagining that it's this fast-paced, um, you know, the game horse for um, for basketball. Yep. Well, basically, you, you can tort yourself into a certain shape and then you're, um, the, the other player has, um, you know, a time limit to get into that same right. shape or they get a letter. Okay. I like the idea of doing something with, like, some ragdoll physics. Um, how, what's the, what are the controls on this? Are you like dragging limbs around? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm well, not maybe sure. it's like a, all right. Okay. Here's the thing. Do you remember Stretch Armstrong? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like a, a VR game where you're kind of manipulating stretchy, you're the ragdolly master. sort of, yeah, like stretchy ragdolly sort of, sort of toys or, 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 or humanoids in some way could be kind of neat. Ooh, I'm 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 kind of getting it like a um it's a third person adventure where you're where you move them with the thumbsticks, but the way that you attack is you actually grab their arms and like you know, fling them off in in yeah, in places to basically like you're playing with a stretch arm strong doll. <laughs> yeah. I I was kind of going along s- similar lines where yeah, at least part of the gameplay, or at least part of the things you're doing in the game is is pulling on this this stretchy creature and then letting it go to like fire it off in in that direction. Now, whether yep. it's that you can just pick it up and fire it in any direction, I feel like maybe that's a bit too overpowered. But maybe it's something like you get to certain points in in the level where there's something for them to hold on to, and then you can like grab onto their legs and stretch them in a direction and then let go. Uh, and and yep. so that's sort of how you're helping them through that part of the part of the level. And then you got stretch based platforming where you you grab onto two two things, pull back, and you launch yourself forwards, but then let go at the right time to actually launch yeah, yourself yeah, forwards. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing could be cool too. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, combat as well. Obviously, being able to propel yourself into enemies to do some some damage or like a surprise attack or. You know, like a spin, a spin attack where you're, you've stretched them out so that they can hit more, hit more enemies in a, in a big circle. That's yep. cool. That is All cool. right. Is there anything more we can do with that stretchy, those stretchy mechanics? Uh, I think you can have maybe lots of different levels with different characters. 
like that can stretch. So you got Stretch Armstrong in one of the one of the levels. Then you got Mister. Okay, Fantastic. we're licensing Stretch then Armstrong. You got, um, oh, I see. <laughs> then you got well, Elastigirl. Then, 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 I was, then I was gonna go. Yeah, Elastigirl. Um, and I'm just trying to think: is there any other like stretchy sort of characters? Uh, I mean, there? I'm sure oh, there are probably more knockoffs of Mister. Fantastic. <laughs> You could go. Oh, you've you've got um, I've forgotten what his name is from like the DC universe, but he's been in Flash recently. Okay, well, and 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 also just any sort of goo based characters. Yep. You know what I mean? Like something that can kind of shape shift a bit, or you know the the blob or the or the blob character from Hotel Transylvania. Because <laughs> why yep. not? Uh, but is the gameplay the same in them all? Is this just a different skin, or is the, or are we? There's a different I, I, think, I think there's slight differences. Okay. Slight different mechanics. Like um, Elastigirl, her her thing is more about turning into the shape of of something that right, she needs okay. to. Yeah. So it's n- not necessarily about stretchy fighting, but it's more about, okay, she's got some stealth stuff where she's uh, falling from here. She turns herself into a bit of a parachute. Then she just, you know, sort of comes together and she can move very quickly. Between yeah, like stretches herself ar- around doors as, as guards. Yeah, go through. So are we? Are we still so thinking? More the stealth are we still thinking though that that you as as the VR player are having to like manipulate them into these shapes? I think so. Okay, I think that's that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, just I'm literally picturing you like grabbing Elastigirl's head, smearing her on the wall, and yeah, basically <laughs> smearing her like over the top of a doorway, <laughs> so she's hidden and stretched out. Uh, that's kind of bizarre. Now the other thing is, is there some potential in multiplayer where you're like flinging <laughs> these characters at each other or like one i can just picture a scene uh, a moment where you each have one end of a character and whoever lets go first is going to do damage to the other but you, you it's almost like playing chicken <laughs> with this stretchy thing because you know if you hold on longer you're going to do more damage but they might let go at any moment <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh yeah something there Yep. All right, but we're not going to explore it further because we spent enough time on this, and that's what we do. We just uh, very too quick. We, we we squeeze the juice out of it and, and then move on. All right, refraction threat. Ooh. I kind of like the idea of like this new satellite that's been launched that is um, just like a giant mirror that is that is threatening. Like uh, I'm thinking the North and South Pole. Basically, they're targeting like the rays directly at polar. Okay, ice I caps. like that. Except uh, that's fine. Except instead of a mirror, because we didn't get a reflection, we got a refraction. It is a prism. A prism. Okay. Yeah. It is some sort of <laughs> prism that is just like that is yeah, like focusing the sun's light at the poles as it orbits. <laughs> kind of like a huge magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. It's it's a it's a complicated prism. That that refracts and bends the light appropriately to yes become a big magnifying glass and melt the poles. This is the real cause of climate change, don't you know? And it's also the real cause of rainbows. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Light would not split if it weren't for these prisms giving us rainbows. Uh, so you know, it's a mixed blessing. Death of the human race, but rainbows. Um, so, so I, I'm just I'm picturing that it's like some some guy who didn't quite go all the way through high school. He just made it through like to ninth grade physics or something yep. like that. That learned about refraction and decided, yeah, 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 that sounds like a great idea. Not realizing that 
you know, he'd be focusing light onto the onto the poles. All he's trying to do is just get for his country like a continuous stream of rainbows because it makes everyone happy. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, that's interesting. So this is not an evil genius. This is a misguided no. dummy who yep. has threatened the entire human race accidentally. Yep. Interesting. Okay. So his country is just constantly covered in rainbows. Yep. <laughs> Let's make him Australian because why not? We have some we have yep. a lot of dummies here who didn't get past ninth grade physics. Australia is now the land of rainbows. Where the hell where the bloody well, hell are you? Not Australia, but Tasmania is now the land of rainbows. You have something against Tasmania. This is a common threat. Well, I'm, th- <laughs> I'm thinking because it's because it's close to Antarctica yep. and it's the closest part of Australia that's to Antarctica that I think he got the idea because of like the like the Northern Lights or something. The Aurora Australiana yep. sort of Yep. Yep. The Southern Lights or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And I realized, oh, this would be cool if we if we could like have a permanent A permanent Aurora lights here. Over Tasmania. And yep. and yeah, because of the prism, it's it's not just the sort of standard greeny colour that you see, it's literal rainbows. Yeah. But it's the wavy sort of thing that you see, but with the um southern lights, but you just get it as all different colours and it's at all yes, times. Day and night, constantly present. All right. Yep. I love that. So it's a land of happiness. Uh and yeah, until the sea levels rise uh, and and threaten all life. Yeah, but he he doesn't realize that, that it's, it's him, that, that that's, that's happening. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let, let's talk the game because I love that setup. Are yep. you playing someone trying to stop this? Are you playing the guy who set it up uh, and realizing what I think you're playing a scientist who's working in Antarctica. Does he follow the rainbow? All of a sudden, uh, well, all of a sudden, he notices that the area that he he's looking into is getting warmer and warmer and warmer, and it's, it's staying brighter a lot longer. You know, it's normally normally it'll be getting dark around five, but it's now getting dark around nine, and it's just you know it's a pretty pretty much uh, a focused beam of sunlight that is <laughs> right. Okay, that is ca- causing the the area just yeah. to warm up. Uh, around this whole area of Antarctica that he's he's in. Maybe, all right, maybe this is a, a game where you don't, you're not playing one single um, protagonist. You, you almost get these vignettes as different people around the world start figuring out what's going on. And so, okay, yep, yeah, yep, like yep. the opening scene is this like Antarctologist or whatever, <laughs> a scientist working there. <laughs> yeah, you and you've sort of, you've just got, a little scene where you're like going and you're measuring your, your different core samples or whatever, and, you, and you're testing the different things and the levels of stuff and the temperature and and, and noticing these anomalies. Uh, maybe there, and maybe there's a couple of people there, so you've got conversation going, and it's like, what the hell is going on here? Like, you know, this this is completely unusual behavior. And maybe like a maybe the maybe the end of maybe at the end of that vignette, they're like, you know, yeah, it's like it's it's ten ten p.m. Like it should have got dark hours ago, and one of them's just like. Is that a rainbow? They <laughs> just sort of see it off in the distance, and then light cuts to that fades that one out, and then it's you know whatever's next. I like the idea that it's set in the eighties, and he's actually uh, there looking at the hole in the ozone layer or something like that, trying to investigate. Oh, has this it. also caused the and hole in the ozone layer? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that you know it's it's like the secret. You know, yes, yes, they blame CFCs, but it had a lot to do with this. Australian who yep. caused basically the land Let's of rainbows. Let's be specific, Tasmanian. We don't want to. 
No, it's, it's hidden behind, like, all secrecy. Yeah, yeah. You know, only, like, the President of the United States and, and like, the Prime Minister actually knows who this is. I, I mean, I think this is them figuring it out, right, though. This is what the game is. I think this guy... No, but um, we're talking about in the future. Oh, okay. That, it, like, it's still so secret that... Like this is this actually happened? But I, I like the idea that in your in your second one, where where maybe it's a scientist in South America or something like that who happened to also detect these things on one of the computers. You can actually see like a report that actually comes through at some stage, and it's got the name of the original protagonist from the first part. So, so you're saying just the first little... part is is like in the eighties? Oh no, just I, I'm I'm picturing that it's all it's all sort of based based around the same time, but they're all somewhat interconnected okay, but yeah. you get like the person's name in a report somewhere that you know you can sort of skim over but it it doesn't really make yeah, any yeah. sense maybe it's not about you, you yeah you obviously you thing, put these connections it's... between to show that to show the time frame and to show that these people are all seeing this happen so i guess what i'm saying though is are we has this prism just gone up like how long has it been up there and how did it get up there and and i think part of it is discovering that obviously but yeah, I, I think maybe that the prism has been there for maybe three or four months at this stage. Okay. But they had to kind of change the angle yep. to get a better set of uh, rainbows happening. Like, because people, people were flocking to Tasmania during the 80s. <laughs> to see these rainbows? To see these rainbows, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he kept changing the angle to, to make it more intense and had other effects. Yeah, so, I mean, we need to explore that as well because obviously, all right, in this world, in the 80s, Tasmania started just getting constant rainbows. Uh, yeah. God, that's a ridiculous sentence. Uh, <laughs> at what point is the connection made between these rainbows and these other phenomena? And I mean, obviously, that's part of what we're exploring, but how long does it take? Like, is this is this over decades before we realize, or is it over the course of a year? Like, what's the sort of time frame, do you think? Because I feel like it couldn't take too long. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of thinking that it's... That the, the start of it is like 1982, 1983. Mm. And then by 1988, they realize, you know, so it's sort of set over these six yeah, years. Okay. And, you know, the damage is sort of done and set in stone that, you know, is actually causing all these all issues. All right. So how do they, because obviously they're going to discover it at some point. And, and, you know, that might even be, we, we probably want to see that scene where the connection is finally made that what the hell, like some drongo in Tasmania, <laughs> like, did this person just send up their own kind of satellite? They managed to get enough skills to to fire this thing into space, or like, how did they get it up there? Yeah, I I, th- I think they they maybe hijacked. Oh, maybe there was like not, not it was hijacked. Like, it such, was like but- the the failed Australian Space Force, uh, and this is yeah. part of why it failed. Like they sent their first their first major um, shuttle launch exploded <laughs> and it's because of the weight you know difference because fucking darren <laughs> had had put this prism in you know managed to, to stow it away in in the payload but luckily like it got up into orbit and yeah and then he he had some sort of remote control perhaps or i don't know to, to then be able to actually maneuver it into the position that he needed it pretty good for a ninth grade dropout yep. but Still, endangered the entire human race. So, I I think it was um, by the Australian Research and Space Exploration Team. Australian Research and Space... Okay. Arset? Arse. Arse. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yep. Nice. <laughs> it's basically, if you go to spaceaustralia.com.au, it's Australian Research and Space Exploration. <laughs> space Wait, is that a real thing? Um, yes. Well, it's, not, it's, it's, it's a satire. It's a satire. Yeah, okay. but, um, <laughs> I, I just I just think it's it's great that it's ours. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, but the idea that in this world that it's ours as well. So the failed arse experiment that, you know, we, we sent a prism up, up into into space or well we sent we sent a satellite into space and with it went went this um this guy's great great idea for a prism in space and so i mean there needs to be obviously some sort of we need a scene where they're kind of monitoring satellites around the earth and they finally i think it's pretty small so like it takes them a long time to discover it um and so there's maybe some some nice fun little scenes where you're like changing frequencies and 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 like locking on to to follow the rainbow, as it were, basically, yeah, to find what's at the end of the rainbow and and discover that this prism is in, in is in outer space, and then it's a matter of then you see scenes of like, well, can we just shoot it down? Or like, well, we, now you know our our rockets aren't uh, accurate enough. Oh, maybe fucking Reagan's Star Wars scheme was invented to destroy this thing. <laughs> yep. When did that actually I'm happen? Pretty sure that when was the eighties. I'm hoping that it's like 1988 because I kind of want it to culminate in like. Bicentennial um, celebrations it was that happened. Not in quite. It was announced publicly publicly in eighty three, and it was working. Yeah, but no, by eighty eight it was kind of done with. But that's not to say we can't change history. The timing, otherwise, yeah. it's the right decade. We're kind of in the right spot. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that the um the it all culminates in in you know it's the last final days of this celebration leading up to. The bicentennial, where it's been said that this guy is going to going to give a light show that you know Tasmania's never never oh seen before, God. and he's planning on on you know basically he would incinerate, making it more intense for the yeah for the um, bicentennial. Basically, so the, if the he did this, he's going the, to incinerate large large portions of the planet. Um, Tasmania yeah. will get an incredible light show, but, <laughs> but it will kill it. millions <laughs> of people. Uh, <laughs> And so I think, yeah, he, Darren yeah. doesn't even realise at this point. He just thinks he's like this clever guy who's put this thing into space to create fucking rainbows. And, you know, he, he awesome, you know, Dazza and his mates are, are thinking that it's great. He's getting um, you know, kickbacks from tourism Tasmania. Yep. Living the high life, yeah. He single-handedly got all this stuff happening. Um, I'm just imagining all these, like, vignettes that he keeps on going back and it's just this guy... Um, almost Billy Madison like <laughs> drinking and yeah, totally. With all well, I'm getting, I'm getting um, elements of like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, where people are making yep. requests and stuff for like <laughs> shapes in the sky and, and and different things, and he's like, yeah, sure, like. <laughs> and every time that happens, <laughs> someone says like, you know, can you make the the peace sign in the sky? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. Like, a, a, and you see this peace sign rainbow, and then like over in fucking Africa, you see this giant like section of the of the African of the like the, of a fucking forest or something. Just have have this like giant, this, this line just cut. Well, this right, giant peace right, sign burnt into it. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is actually the, um, this whole. This is the causal crop circles. Um, cause it's just like creating these shapes in fucking, uh, cornfields. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm imagining, you know, it's, it sort of like turns into almost like a Moonraker-esque, um, James Bond sort of thing at the end where our final hero has to sort of 
travel up up yeah. in space to take out the Oh, yeah, there's a bit of, like, Armageddon-esque, like, maybe it ends up being yeah. a bit of a suicide mission. Yeah, and, you know, like, they've got uh, two space shuttles going in and one of them gets taken out by this, this you know, hyper-intensive ray of sunlight. <laughs> yeah, because- It just because, cuts, cuts the space shuttle in half. Because someone asked Darren to like- draw a dick and balls in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then he just, I'm just imagining this this pure laser just cuts cuts this um, space shuttle in half and and, and it like, just you know yeah, it sort of splits, I love the idea I love this I'm just picturing, <laughs> I'm picturing this scene <laughs> I'm picturing this scene of yeah it's like this fucking epic. Uh, the the shuttle's going up. It's like we're nearly there. You know, uh, we're both going to make it because you know, the, they, they've they've sent up the two teams or whatever. And and then all of a sudden the prism shifts and this beam of laser comes out, just cuts it in half. They're screaming, it's loud or whatever. And then right in the middle of that, it cuts to Tasmania and it's like, <laughs> put an extra ball hair on there. <laughs> you see this rainbow <laughs> dick in the sky. <laughs> that is that extra ball hair that like. Killed that fucking team people. <laughs> Make it ejaculate. <laughs> Just you know, I, I imagine if if you don't if you don't manage to actually get up there um, and stop all this, then it shows the aftermath of of basically <laughs> you know um, Tasmania completely under under um, underwater, and it turns like all of Australia kind of into that. That world from Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker, where only only like the mountains <laughs> right. are above, yeah, above the but water. But there's just fucking <laughs> constant rainbows still. Uh, I I'm kind of picturing as well, like the idea that he controls it and it looks like an etcher sketch, like the things that he draws in the sky. <laughs> He's got the two knobs. Either that, or because it's in the 80s, it's all controlled by logo. <laughs> yes, right, forward twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good too. <laughs> oh my god, fucking Darren <laughs> has to use the turtle. Oh, fucking does All right, that's Three great. Love it. <laughs> Surname duet. Hmm. This could be a romance. We haven't done many romance games. Yeah, I feel like this is a romantic comedy of some sort. Now, how that plays out in game form, we can decide. But I feel like because yep. of duet, there's some sort of Singing involved. I, I kind of like the idea of of the um of the duet being being just, just a relationship. These two people that happen to meet up that have the same surname, and that's what sort of gets them talking. Okay, yeah. Is it an unusual surname? Because I feel like that would kind of yeah. I, I like the idea that it's a sort of unusual surname. They they meet each other. I'm thinking in like some backwoods pub in the middle of nowhere. You know. Basically, whoop whoop in Australia, okay. and it's just sort of like a road trip of of these two people heading mm. heading to um whatever it is Sydney or yeah they're or heading for like some that. major city and and this is them in sort of yeah the outback just, roads of Australia in between yeah like interstate yeah, you yeah. you can basically choose your character at the start yep and things are going to run the same way yeah you know you, the only difference being that you get to choose like the dialogue yeah so I think it's a bit of a yeah, kind of just a, a bit of a narrative, you know, fairly, fairly just straightforward narrative game. Obviously, yep. you might have some 
some mild branching in there based on your dialogue choices. I don't think you'd make it like major divergent from from sort of the main story. No, the idea being that you know you can experience it from both players' point of view, and you can sort of see how the conversations would go if you know you did something different to what the computer originally selected. I I just had this had this vision of what if the first time that you played it through mm. as one character, you know, obviously the computer chooses some dialogue options, but then the next time you play it through, the options that the um that the computer selects are your original options. That so you you're chose saying that you there's the two slightly different. Because I was already, I was thinking when you were saying you select your character that you just meant you've got some some version of of character so character selection, but you you still play the same side of the couple. But you're saying you can play either side of the couple. Okay. Yes. And but are they set characters or is there some sort of? Oh, I like I like the idea of there being some some sort of set characters. I mean, I suppose you could go a oh, what was that? What was that? Game that oh that game was it uh, Firewalk, <laughs> Firewatch, 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 where where you were sort of walking at the very start of the game, you got to sort of select a few things that to define um, your background stuff that defined your background. Yeah, well, and I'm also I, just I thinking like, like in a game like this, you could probably fairly easily make it that you know you can select the gender or, or of of the each character and or of your character perhaps and you know and, and mostly keep the rest of the stuff the same uh, but just give give yep. that extra extra bit of representation and an extra bit of uh, sort of customizability for how this love story plays out for what the player yeah. you know the type of couple that the player would like to to see fall in love and experience this adventure exactly um yeah, so so there's no reason why you couldn't have if if you if you wanted to you could have a female meet up with another female and you wanted you wanted to have a have a yes that's what I mean yeah exactly and, and you know cool. for the most part I think the rest of the game would would play out you could perhaps have some custom scenes to address you know the particular kind of gender mix just because you know if it's a a gay couple yeah. then they, they may come across homophobia or different things along their travels and that could be part of you know part of their experience but yeah i think otherwise you you can pretty much keep it the same right some of the same things that would be happening is you know your when you first turn up your character has has had a the car break down and you and you really need to get to this place and that's why you're now meeting up with this yeah well that's it i think i think then we just have a, a pretty straightforward story and and the gameplay just comes from you know like almost like a bit of a telltale game or whatever you're just playing through the story uh with some different yep. dialogue options and and different ways to you know maybe there are a couple of choices where you can take different forks you know different different routes and you'll end up with with different little scenes that you get to play yeah you go past the dog in the talker box or you or you decide to skip that because there's too many too many people hanging around yep. and yeah, so you've got some choices. Yeah, you don't in, want to want to be judged. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah, you've got some choices in what you in what you experience and the way the game goes. But generally, yeah, it's about just getting to know this other person and and experiencing that relationship kind of blossom throughout this road trip. Yeah, yeah, that could be kind of cool. I and mean, you could have you can have simple sort of uh, vignettes that sort of happen along the way. You know, I'm I'm picturing, you know, who gets to sleep on the couch and who who sleeps in the bed and. Uh, at like the motel. Yeah, and- well, um, and actually, now that I'm 
Now that I'm thinking of it, I wonder if we could make this a little bit more systems-based and add some more gameplay in there. So rather yep. than just a straight kind of telltale-ish or like a Life is Strange or whatever where, you know, you have this sort of these set scenes and these set things that play out, I think you do still have the vignettes yep. that you may or may not run into. But maybe you've also got like driving sections, right? Where you've actually got a little bit of gameplay where you get to drive and there's conversation going on or you're seeing like... Or even dumb stuff like you could have a rhythm mini game because you're both singing along in the car. You know, it's yep. sort of getting to experience a bit of the actual relationship through gameplay, almost adding a bit of like Florence in there where they really used you know, relatively simple gameplay mechanics to, to really evoke the relationship. Yep. And and thing is, depending on your choices, it may just turn into a, a good friendship. Yeah, or, or it may, may turn into it may go bad into arguments yeah. that they they hate each other. Well, I think, so, well, and that could be it, right? I think, I think they always do fall in love in some way, but it could be a platonic friendship, but they're, yeah, or just they're a, friends or forever. Like you sort decide of thing, that you're or, not right for yeah, like for romantic love, or yeah, you literally like start getting into fights. You know, you, you realize that you know it's it's a love that's that's just not going to actually work out, um, or it's just a uh, or maybe you do realize that okay, it's not actually love; it's just like the excitement, the world whirlwind romance, um, and that this isn't actually going to happen. Obviously, you don't want to yep. add too much in there in the way of branching, but I think you could, you could kind of have a spectrum of outcomes, and yep. then sort of different endings or, or different conversation options based on on where you are on that spectrum. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always going to be some incompatibilities. There's always going to be some compatibilities, yeah. and but again, I, I being able to play yeah. that. It, Play that out in the systems. Well, that's it. A bit more of a systems based thing. Some rhythm, some quick times. So, yeah, and and even some like almost um not not to this level because uh, I don't want you to die of dysentery, but almost a bit of uh, what you call it Oregon Trail. Oregon in Trail, that yeah. you're making decisions about when to stop for the night because you've only got so much money. Perhaps you know maybe you even take some odd jobs here and there because it's a long road trip and. You know, so it's like, oh, you know, do you need a, a dishwasher or whatever? I don't know, whatever you know, odd job you'd take along the way. Now, now I'm just picturing when you when you get to these different places, then you can just have like these WarioWare style games. Almost, yeah. <laughs> like it these, could just be these, these little micro mini games, games these micro games, changing a tire, and it's like, okay, quickly get off the uh, get off the um all the nuts, and so you're like, <laughs> well, and I don't think as quick as I don't think as quick as WarioWare because the benefit of these would be, again, exploring that relationship, right? Like you're both there, depending on where you are on that sort of relationship spectrum. Like if you're if you're really clicking with this person, then they, they help you out on these mini games and that works really well. Or even, or and even how- not, then, then they're throwing the tire at you while- Or something, while or they're just not helping or they're arguing nuts. and distracting you. <laughs> or like even the outcome of how well you play the mini game itself, like a, you know, an, a timing based thing or whatever, like maybe they get frustrated at you because you, you're like, you're not managing to get the nuts of this tire or whatever. And again, like that could actually affect that relationship balance in different ways. Yeah, yep. more and more I like the idea of, of, of putting this into a systems-based thing and then somehow, but but still really getting a strong, like, narrative relationship out of that. And either it ends in this incredibly romantic, satisfying way or it's kind of this tragic split up at the end because, you're like, you got on really well but you have to do different things with your life or it's this, 
you know, you went on this adventure with this person, but by the end of it, you hated them and you couldn't stand the sight of them, but you still had to like get to the same place because you, you know, you, whatever you committed to, to driving there together. Yeah. Like there's some different ways that that could go. And, and I feel like it's, it's the sort of game that you'd almost, that you'd play over to, to try to do better or to try to, you know, have, see the different endings and stuff. Yeah. That's really cool. That's cool. Three, yeah. And hey, I like that I even got the singing in there. (laughs) (laughs) Smoke stack. Now you make me want to go with my original word that I wasn't going to go with. (laughs) Make Pope. The Pope? Did you say Pope? (laughs) Yeah. I can't picture anything. Just because... Just because of um, the smokestack and it's like it works perfectly with, you know, the idea of choosing the new Pope. Oh, sort of so I, think I didn't even think of that. I just totally like- got an image of smoke coming out of his hat. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, you're right. Like, no, so they, I'm, they I'm kind do of thinking the smoke, it, the Pope yeah, smoke. So I think it's it's like a, that's part of the story as to as to what's happening in the background. It's not necessarily the um, the only thing happening in this in this game. I think it's just, that's- Somewhat the background to your your trip to to the Vatican or something to Italy, yeah, yeah to the Vatican. It just so happens that they they're choosing a pope at the time, and yeah, I, I think some hijinks can can maybe happen while you're there, uh, kind of like your angels and demons or something like that. Yeah, okay. You know, your your Robert Langdon mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. thriller. So the Vatican involved in some sort of conspiracy, or at least as the background to some sort of conspiracy, and you're uncovering it. Yeah. And I don't think it's, you know, disgusting and real worldy sort of thing. Like the Vatican, yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, let's, yeah, I know. And there's obviously let's, some, let's stay away some from very it. troublesome stuff there. And, and the Vatican and Catholic Church is a horrible, horrible organization. So, but let's, and I don't want to just ignore that and use their, <laughs> use their name and stuff as the background. But all right, well, let, look, let's, okay. let's sidestep it a bit just because. I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't really want to get into that. Otherwise, I might start ranting. Let's come up with another reason for the smoke. But it, like, it's a similar thing, right? Maybe it's still a religious thing. It's, maybe it's a made-up religion somewhere else in the world. But otherwise, mm-hmm. similarly done. What's <laughs> or 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 it's or it's in the Futurama world where it's the space pope. <laughs> maybe this is like a corporate thing. Maybe this is a maybe this is a situation where there's this giant company and they almost consi- they basically consider themselves a higher power, right? To the point that the smoke they do have a smokestack for like when they get a new CEO, <laughs> right? Like in, in this in this thing, every every originally, uh, I'm thinking that John Pope um, <laughs> actually founded the uh, company. He, he he founded this company, and I, I'm thinking sort of like an automobile or something like that. Because I kind of like the idea that his first thing was like a Pope mobile. Well, and then it makes sense for the fucking then, uh, pollution as well. <laughs> it's like yeah. a horribly, uh, a horrible, horrible company that's that's put a hell of a lot of carbon into the atmosphere. Yeah. So I'm thinking that John Pope never actually had any kids. So yeah. when he retired, he he put into like the bylaws of of like yeah whatever this company's called um, um, Pope Motors. Well, I was thinking either Vaddy Motors or something like that. Right. It's kind of like going off Vaticars. the Vatican. Vaticars. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, 
All right. So this, yeah, <laughs> this guy basically considered himself like the the religious leader of the automotive industry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, he put into the bylaws of the company that when it was time to choose a new CEO, it basically, it was a unanimous vote and, you know, they'd, they'd, uh, once, once the new CEO was selected, then, you know, you put this, you put the special chemical on the fire yeah. and the smoke would turn yeah. purple or whatever. And, and of course, and of yeah. course, his, his like middle management are cardinals. <laughs> Just like in the actual bank. <laughs> Capital C cardinals. Uh, <laughs> but they got to dress like birds. <laughs> no, they got to dress like cars. As in the cardinal. <laughs> they've all got different like they got a fucking they've got like a oh cardinals. Yeah, cardinals this is what i'm saying it's a fucking car company <laughs> they've all got like these special robes that have like the grill on the front with the headlights and it, it was really inappropriate when when they finally opened up you know the the upper management to women because the headlights are in an inappropriate place and they had to redesign the robes yeah you know, that sort of thing that would actually happen. I'm thinking that the, the, the last product launch didn't go too well for the last CEO. and That's why. Um, he tried doing, well, I was thinking he tried doing a Vatty Van. Right, but the pun didn't work. He should have called it the Vanican. It didn't, didn't work as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he got fired. Uh, well, maybe this is that. If it, if it, now, now everybody is waiting with bated breath for the smoke to see if it's black smoke that this CEO got fired or white smoke that, that he gets to keep his, his position, um, and gets another chance. And by fired, that it literally means put That's into it. The like fire. the black smoke is, is literally his ashes. <laughs> oh, God. Because this is, <laughs> this is, uh, it's become a religious thing in this world. So, so are you, are you just a lowly factory worker? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think if you're an outsider or not. Like similar to to the kind of Robert Langdon style thing where there's there's all this history now of this company and you're coming in like and and perhaps it's that you are coming to a different country where you know this company basically is the prevailing religion almost. Like that that this it's so heavily capitalist here and and so many people work for this company because there's they're just factories everywhere spewing out spewing out smoke as they build these horrible cars. So I think similar to um similar to the Vatican, which is a uh, separate like independent state mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's it's kind of like maybe sticking with the with the Australian thing that we got going. Sure. It's like it's fucking Queensland. Um, carved off little area of of like, well, I'm thinking central Queensland. Yeah, well, that's what, part of Queensland finally secedes <laughs> and yeah. becomes this fucking car-based religious state. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm imagining this massive mine with all these cars and all this sort of stuff. Like, they found, they found this awesome awesome way to, to give, you know, back to the community by giving jobs, but it also pollutes the fuck out of the environment. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe you are, a, maybe you are an external sort of person coming coming to report on the new CEO. Or potentially so you're a reporter doing yeah. sort of like Yeah. But then like there's some weird stuff. Well that maybe you, you start you do getting sort of like you get contacted by a whistleblower and then it's you know you're yeah. you're connecting to people within the company and like it turns out the whistleblower is fairly high up, maybe one of the cardinals. Uh 
or like maybe <laughs> maybe or just maybe one step below them. What would that be? Like a, a scooter or something? I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> like a vicar. A vicar, yes. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Love it. <laughs> Love your work. <laughs> <laughs> oh god puns. that's good alright so you get contacted by this vicar and and so this is just like the local basically the vicars are the like they run the factory like they're the head of a factory which yep. is sort of so that might just be in a particular town obviously you know most of the town is employed in this factory and, and they're the Basically, both yeah, the manager of that factory and the religious leader of this area. Yeah, I'm I'm almost picturing like a a um, Willy Wonka style uh, town, you know, where the f- the factory is like this main thing in the center, and it's sort of like yeah. the, the town just sort of surrounds this thing, and no one's seen like the see the cardinals, for right? Years. Yeah, I think that's right. The sort cardinals are very of secretive. Like- Upper management group, yeah, like the the vicars, they they only contact uh, get contacts with the cardinals via like electronic means. I'm thinking, yeah, yes. So you don't really know who's who's there. You just you don't actually know who who the current cardinals are. Yeah, there's obviously so there's the CEO is known because he's sort of the the figurehead of the company. Yeah, and, and does make a lot of the top level decisions, but yes, there is this very secretive upper management level of the cardinals uh, making a lot of the decisions and and passing passing them down to <laughs> to the lower levels of the of the company across this this big religious state. So yeah, if I can love this, who <laughs> who is this re- reporter or something? I guess they're a reporter or something coming in. What's the background? Yeah. I feel like I, I they th- need to have some other skills to like. They can fight and shit. Like they, because I'm really picturing it, picturing almost a like an uncharted vibe now or something. Like it's this action adventure kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm imagining that the that the whistleblower is actually the newest vicar who just became a cardinal, um, <laughs> or maybe he's up up to become a cardinal or something. Like there's a yeah. there's a power when, vacuum when- because someone's died or someone's mysteriously yeah. disappeared from the ranks of the Cardinals. Yeah. Oh, God, um, again, I just wish we wh- had fucking a- enough fans to do fan art for us. I want to see the costumes and the hats and the... Oh, shit, I love it. Yeah, but I, I kind of like the idea that it kind of turns into, like, a body horror sort of thing at the end where... Oh, my God, um, what, they're, like, literally giving themselves car parts? Well, I'm, I'm imagining that John Pope is actually still alive <laughs> and he's just, like, a brain in a jar. <laughs> And, um, but it's but it's all this like, like it's this it's this fucking petrol run machine that's just constantly like attached to this generator that's pumping out belching out smoke. Yeah, because so much of this religion and is this like it's basically car punk, right? It's auto auto punk or something. Yeah, it's kind of like what what you imagine the start of my Mad Max. Yes, could have actually yes, been. it's but- yeah, yeah. This is this is the. <laughs> we, we've fucking done another sequel. Um, I know that was like last episode or maybe next episode, depending on what order these come out in. But this is the secret prequel to Mad Max. 
I just I just love that it's like this body horror um, stuff that you find out. But yeah, I, I also do do like the idea that this reporter comes to town at at the start. He's sort of on the outskirts, goes to a couple of pubs, starts interviewing a couple of different people, and then on the night where you know this this uh, this vote is supposed to take place, like everyone just. Everyone who's in in the town sort of turns and just faces so like main the, the central smokestack, yep. you know, and they just they stand staring at it, and we're talking the most creepiest scene of every single person. Just yes, still. they just all turn in lockstep and just like face this thing, and no one's looking away, and they're all like, yeah. And you're you're sort of walking through it, Ooh. and it's just all these oh. mannequin like people just standing That's still. Not blinking, like you look at their eyes, and there's like you see the reflection of the smoke in their in their eyes. Yeah. I'm imagining this this sort of scene of you walking through, and you know I'm imagining some of the vicars who are standing sort of guard mm, around this. They're the only ones watching. Area. Oh, they notice that you're you're not actually watching, yep. and so then maybe there's there's like a scene where where they try to you know take control because it it turns out that. There's, as I said, some body horror mm. sort of thing of of some sort of implant that all these people- Well, or, actually- or maybe it's even just around, like, once you've inhaled enough of this smoke that these factories are constantly putting out, yeah. you know, you, you sort of- you're dumbed down and you're, you're, you're under their control to a certain degree, and so it, it basically just outs you as an outsider. But yeah. that's also what draws the attention of the whistleblower vicar. Like, like you said, I think they- uh, are potentially up for moving up into the cardinals when the new when the new pope is selected if they get selected then then there's a then there's a free yes. spot in the cardinals i think maybe get, the, um, that she's the first woman she's going to be the first female cardinal or something yeah and so there's already sort of some controversy around that <laughs> this is fucking this insane. Is, this is amazing. I really want to play this game and see that art direction on it. Yeah, I'm imagining just kind of like what I, what I'm imagining La Noir to be. You know that there's a couple of questions that you can ask on your pad, sort of thing, like the VR case files I'm talking about. Right. Because imagine this would work perfectly for VR. Uh, perhaps. I was really picturing a, a very kind of Uncharted vibe. And again, you know, in Uncharted, Uncharted you've yes, kind of got your little notebook yep. and stuff. So I think you, in a similar way, you've got your reporter's pad and, and you're sort of taking notes and, and making connections. Yep. And and I think maybe you even you go back and forth between the reporter and the vicar, who the whistleblower, who yep. so you've got different levels where you know maybe she's sneaking through to find evidence on the something. Vicar's maybe maybe doing some some stealthy sort yeah. of missions inside the compound. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and like, and obviously some joint missions as well, where it's like, okay, she's in there, so she's got to sneak out, unlock the door, so he can get in. You know, they both kind of fight their way through certain sections or whatever. And, <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, I'm so loving good. this. All right, let's. Yeah, I love this. A lot. That that was awesome. Let's uh, let's move on. I think we've got time for at least one more. Three to one click. Yep, one more. And here's the word that I should have used in the last one: indexing. Neuron. I kind of like this as as like someone's mapping the human brain. Yeah, yeah, or some sort of uh, yeah, like mapping it into a, into software or, or managing to create a a backup or something. 
Yeah. I know that we've gone down this route before, but I, yeah, I look, do there's like- a lot of there's a lot of options there. I think. So, is this the early days of of this technology that we're sort of this game takes place? I think this is this is again like an alternate timeline, maybe in the in the um kind of like a Black Mirror esque. Yeah. So you're thinking you um, alternate universe. Oh, so are you? Is this because um, you wanna, early two thousands to late two thousands? Okay, yeah, is because you want to go back to a particular period? Okay. Oh, I, I'm still thinking, you know, post Y two K, but pre iPhone, maybe, <laughs> but pre iPhone. <laughs> yeah, just to just to kind of to set the the time period. Flip phones, no smartphones, but the internet, internet, but internet is, is there. Yeah, yeah, kind of like. What the lawnmower man would be for for um for you know the two thousands. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Actually, maybe uh, maybe the internet comes into it in some way because indexing makes me think of think of search engines. Maybe this is yep. an alternate universe where Google creates their search engine with biological computers as opposed to uh, like digital. Ooh, I like that. I like yeah. that. It's kind of like a uh, what's it called? Minority report esque sort of mm. world where you've you've got like the precogs in in minority report. Well, you've got the um the three people oh. who who are plugged into into Google's headquarters, yes. but they've recently just added a fourth. Okay, and I'm imagining that it's like a horny teenager. <laughs> all of a sudden, all the search results are just coming up with porn. <laughs> it's just free thought, like uh, you know, you know, or oh, free association or whatever, where you you type in you know underwear and it goes very quickly to to a porn yeah. subject, and then you know <laughs> you type in you know where can I go to eat, and then it just you know goes very quickly down into, into like, into, like a porn subject again. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I think in this world, what happened is Larry and Sergey. Um, of, of the founders of Google mm-hmm. figured out this technology for, yeah, for like searching the internet via a brain. And of course, who was their first subject? It was Jeeves. <laughs> yeah, of course, you asked Jeeves. Because you asked Jeeves. They they literally went to England, found a butler that they <laughs> called Jeeves. <laughs> well, no, I think it was just incidental. That's, this is, this is why. I think in this world, ask Jeeves. Maybe okay. Well, maybe it's not Google. In it's 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 ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves became the big search engine. Uh, Google couldn't compete because, because because of Jeeves was literally using his his incredible brain, trillions of neurons to to search. He realized that if he didn't do something different, then Google was going to take over the search engine. Thing. So he took his wife's research into the human yes. brain, plugged basically plugged um, himself into into it at first, and then had to find some other people to plug in as well. Yeah, I think he's got to still be in there though. Yeah, and, and, and I think that his wife. Yeah, I, I like that. His wife is like a neurologist who's been who've been studying like like a machine brain, uh, machine human connections. And and so they experimented with this, but it went so well, and and their company started making money. Like they they couldn't afford to disconnect him because it brings the whole site down. And this is why they also had to start finding new people. But you know they have to find compatible brains. Uh, it has to be the yep. right type of people that have the same the same sort of brain chemistry as what. Well, um, that's it because they don't only have to did. be compatible with the internet 
and and the machine stuff, they have to be compatible with the other searches um, who are who are hooked into this. Yeah. So I'm imagining that one of the one of the characters in this game is actually they you find out later on is actually a clone of Jeeves. Oh, okay. And that's who you play. You play the clone of Jeeves. Because they've tried to, because yep. the internet has grown so fast, but so much by this point that they need more and more brains to continue indexing. Yep. And the best way that they could actually verify, uh, you know, make sure that they were, they were going to have extra brains is they created numerous yes. clones of Jeeves. Okay. Um, and you play one of these clones who's, you know, obviously wanting to, wanting to keep their life. Sort of well, so, so do you know you're a clone right away, or is this the sort of thing where it's a no? It's something that you learn. Yeah. You you've always known known your parents and all this sort of stuff, but um, turns out that they they got paid a lot of money to um bring a Jeeves yes, clone yes. to um. All right, so here's the thing: how then- old are you at this point? Because uh, is this the, a sort of fast growing clone situation, or are we talking with? Um, set- I th- I think you're 17, yeah. um, about to turn 18. And so are we are we having to set it then in in like current times or are we or are we? Yeah, I, I think it's now. I think it's now set in like 2015 like, or something. It's 2018. Yeah, in, uh, yeah 20, 2015 to 2016, yeah. something like that. Because Ask Jeeves became huge in in like the early yes. 2000s. Like instead of dying, and then it's basically you're finding out uh, through like you know some sort of investigation that you do in in your house at, at the start. I'm thinking adventure game sort of thing. Yeah. Or, or almost a gone home esque sort of thing, where you're you're going through the house when you're home alone yes. one day, and you find this, you know, certificate of of authenticity. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> <like> <laughs> certificate <that>. of authenticity. <laughs> this is an authentic Jeeves. <laughs> it's got your name on it. It's like it's you don't. You're looking for your birth certificate. Okay, that's it. Like you need an ID. For to get a like you secretly want to get your license or something, and your parents don't want you to get your license. Yeah, and in fact, for for your whole life, they've not wanted to to let you out of the house. Really, like, yeah, I don't think like a full on like lockdown in the house, but yes, like they are super yeah. overprotective, and they get their final payday when you turn eighteen, and they well, turn you uh, over. But that's what I was going to say. Like, uh, do they still want to turn you over, or have they like? Obviously, you know, you think after raising a child for 18 years, you'd probably get attached. Um, are yeah. they- are Maybe they- maybe that's why you're not allowed to go outside because they, they think that if, if you go out, then they'll actually notice that you're you're still alive. Right. So, they've maybe when, like faked they your death said, or something. Yeah. Um, that, that something- yeah. yeah. Okay. I like that. Oh, that's cool. I kind of liking this. But just the certificate of authenticity. Yes. No, I love like- that. So, you're looking around for your birth certificate because- you're rebelling against your parents who keep you locked inside all the time. Maybe you're like talking to a friend on the phone or something. Like you've got it. You've got this this friend who a pen pal sort of thing. Well, no, I think they're just a school friend or whatever. Like you know, you you you're probably you're probably homeschooled, but like you get to you've got you've got a friend or two, you, right? You've met you maybe if you maybe even that you met online or you know that that you they, they do give you some semblance of a social life. Yeah. I'm thinking you can have some flashbacks to when when you were a kid in in primary school and you always had like these black suited individuals with like glasses on that were that were in the back of your mm. class basically looking after you know making sure that you didn't get into yeah. any trouble and all this sort of yeah. stuff and very secretive secrety secret what did what did sort of your parents tell practice. you then do you think that why they were there 
is it just that you're like that you have rich parents? I, mean, I guess they may be rich because they've done this. Um, yeah. So you're quite, it's like this quite wealthy family now that you've grown up in. But the only reason they're wealthy is because they were actually like beneath the poverty line 18 years ago, and in a you know moment of desperation, they agreed to birth a Jeeves. <laughs> well, well, what what I'm what I'm imagining is you know they they were having trouble conceiving. And so when they went to their doctor for like, uh, in vitro fertilization, they said, well, that'll cost you this amount of money. But if you go down this line, we can promise you 18 years of the, you know, of all this time with your kid, you'll get paid this amount of money. And, and basically it turns out, you know, they think, yeah, this will be absolutely fantastic. You know, we can, we can afford to have another kid and all this sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. Maybe something happens during it, and that's the only kid that they've yes, got. Yes, yes, love it. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they kind of naively thought we can give up our first child to then because it, it kind of like the old fairy yeah, like tale. His sacrifice of- will allow us to have the family that we want, um, even though he's going to yeah. get sent away forever. Uh, and you know, they maybe don't know the extent of you know the fact that he's literally going to be hooked up to the internet and and put in a in a. I think we still have them like in liquid. <laughs> You know, it's that same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, nutrients just seeping in through their skin. Um, yeah. Oh my God. This is the best world. Oh, I mean, it's, it's on par with the car world that we just came up with, but this is amazing. Um, <laughs> on par with John, John Pope. <laughs> yeah. It's on car with John Pope and <laughs> the fatty cars. <laughs> um, so, all right. Yes. I'm, I'm liking the Gorn Home sort of esque feel of you know going through your house you, i want a bit more of a connection with the day. character though so i think like if you see mirrors you sort of you get a sense of who you are yeah and and yeah the, I, I think you do have these conversations with this other person so you've got a bit of exposition going back and forth and like conversation yeah so i, I think you've now got you've now got like the j phone yep um which is yes. the jeeves phone jeeves powered phone and then you got j mail which yep. you can Check your Gmail. You know, that's how you con how you're contacting your friends. So basically you can at any time sort of pull out your pull out your J phone and, and have a look and it actually has different different apps and stuff. I I'm I'm picturing like the the butler sort of is like your Siri assistant yeah. and, oh, totally. and all this sort of stuff. And it's <laughs> and it's got like little notes of like if you look closely enough you could actually imagine because you are a clone mm. of Jeeves. That there are some some parts of the face that just look very close to to your character that you're seeing yeah. in the mirror. I, I think you'd have to make that pretty subtle, but totally. Yeah. Uh, well, Jeeves, I'm 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 seeing you know has has you know the comb over sort of thing. I'm imagining that 18 year old Jeeves does no. not have a comb over. He's got a full yeah. head of and hair. Just, so that's, I think yeah. And he doesn't have similar, the pencil similar mustache. No, like know, similar nose or something, similar facial structure, but not yeah. obvious enough to, to give the game away. Yeah, okay. So I like this as a first person gone home-esque. You're exploring, you're talking, you can check your phone, you find this certificate of authenticity, and you're just like, yeah. what the fuck does this mean? <laughs> because I don't think it's common yeah. knowledge of how, how Ask Jeeves runs. Yeah. To them, it's just... They, they are the most popular search engine and, and, you know, nobody really knows. They just sort of, they just sort of jibber jabber about algorithms whenever anyone asks, but it's, it's, it's secret knowledge oh, as, as to how, 
how <laughs> they managed to find things on the internet so well and, and so accurately. Yeah. And so do you go, like, you, you obviously see on the certificate of authenticity that it's a Jeeves thing. Well, I'm imagining what what would your name actually be? Would it just be J or would it be? <laughs> I mean, the name probably, I mean, obviously we want to make it somewhat clever. But, I mean, just because you're a clone doesn't mean they, they need to name you the same. Philip J. Stevenson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've never, you've never known what the J was for. Yeah, and you look on your on your certificate of yeah, authenticity. Like Philip, and Philip G. Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I don't know, what, what letter is, um what number letter is P? It's like 17 or something right. like that. Yeah, because you're the 17th yeah, clone. 17 of yeah. 26. For sure. Um, certificate of authenticity. And <laughs> so you're a limited edition. You're a limited sort of edition. Like and maybe then there's something on the back. Like maybe the contract is, is on their back or something. Maybe this is where you, where you find out the agreement. Not, not that, not why they want you or even necessarily that you are yep. a clone, but like it's not, maybe not explicitly that you're a clone, but that at the age of eight, like at the age of 18, you, uh, become the property of the Ask G's company. I kind of like the idea that um, you've woken up and, like, it's the day before your 18th birthday, yep. but all the doors are locked. Yep. So you're home alone, but there's no way sort of out. And so you're contacting your friend and all this sort of yeah. stuff. And the way that you could actually go is your friend is actually part of Well, this. I was thinking that maybe there's a bit of a twist where they, yeah, they're a plant to, to kind of make sure yep. that you don't go too far off the rails. But, yeah, at the beginning, you just think they're your friend. So, are we thinking then that this is mostly set inside this house, like Gone Home, and, and there's just a lot of, like, um, internet research and talking and, and finding things that are in the home and, yeah. and searching? Yeah, kind of like little little bits of Orwell, like, sort of yeah. researching yeah. some news reports that have come up, and then you've got, like, another uh, moving around the house looking for some more information that um, you may have seen before. Yeah. Like, okay, now go search in the basement and- and when you're looking in there, you see some some extra stuff that, that actually kind of you know, yeah puts you on the path to figuring this out. Um, I, I don't think we want to. Yeah. I, I think we need to take it out of the house at some point. But I think like maybe the entire first act kind of thing is it's just within the house and it's figuring yeah. this out and, and maybe it gets to the point where you know you're starting to get close to to some sort of knowledge about what's going on here and the door like slam, like slams open and those and the black suited guys are there and they take you away um and then like the next yep. section of it is you're in the Jeeves headquarters and so then yep. you you know you probably get some exposition from Mrs Jeeves <laughs> or whatever like from from the wife who who who's basically the CEO who's your biological and yeah like- is your is your well Biological mother is in. She she donated the eggs that, that right were, that were then implanted you know, implanted with yeah. the clone. Sure, yeah. I kind I kind of like that. You know that she she's sort of like the the head honcho of this whole thing now. Yeah. Um. Her husband has been stuck in this thing for, for like for years, and she two can't wait decades to, basically, and she can't wait to actually get him out. Right. And, of course, because that long term plan is like once all these clones come to fruition. Yeah, they can pull him out because they won't need him in there anymore. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's that's really good. And so you're, yep. yeah, like you said, you're number whatever of twenty six, and so they've got a bunch in there already, but it's not enough. Like uh, the, because of the because of the growth of the internet, they need all twenty six. 
I'm thinking that maybe A yeah. through K, they tried doing, like, the sped up development. Right. Or maybe they just, maybe the first, like, maybe A to E were just, like, kids. They they just used the actual, like, they, they did in vitro fertilization from Jeeves and from his yep. his wife. We should give her a name. Fucking Alta Vista. Philippa. Vista. We'll just call her Vista. <laughs> okay. Uh, yep. <laughs> so it was Jeeves and Vista's offspring. It was their offspring because they were hoping that there'd be enough genetic material there to make that work. So A3E were, were like infants when they were put into yep. the system, but they kind of burnt out. Yeah, that's it. They like tried to- they literally just used their own children with surrogates, or maybe she birthed them even, yep. and, and tried to put them in there too young, and, and they basically just died. God, this is horrific. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And- F through K, they, they did the sped up. Yeah, they tried um, to make faster clones because they're like, okay, we can't use infants. We need to we need to get adolescents in there. but And maybe they're still in there, but they're kind of- they're brain damaged in certain ways. Like, it didn't fully work- yep. And so they, they, they still haven't been able to pull Jeeves out. And so they're like, okay, well, we, we just need to be in this for the long game. We need to make an actual clone, let them, you know, age correctly. Yeah. And then when they all mature at 18, we put them all in there and Jeeves can come out. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that L through O, they were all given to yes. different parents, but different accidents happened. And you're the first well, no, one I to think, actually I think maybe that, turn 18. I think maybe they've got. Because I don't think they need just one. I think they still need multiple. Like, yeah, but what you don't realize is your best friend Quinton is also Quinton J. Right. Whatever. He's a he's okay. a Jeeves. Yeah, that's cool. And that's what that's what you find out yeah. through this thing. Uh, oh well. Um, oh no. Maybe. I just, no. No. I really no. Like maybe. Okay. Here's the thing. Maybe. Yep. All right. Instead of it being before your 18th birthday, because the whole thing is right, is that your parents faked your death, or, or like they don't want yep. you taken. So it's actually yep. a week after your 18th birthday. And that's why you're looking for this thing because okay. your parents have said that you can't get your license. You want to go get your license. But through all the searching that you do in your home, that flags things that show that shows the Jeeves company that you're still alive. And that's why they come and get you. Yeah. But part yep. of all that part of all that finding stuff was, yeah, like your friend Quentin went missing a day or two ago. Either either you've got a few days, like either you do it over, over multiple days and you are talking to Quentin and then you can't get in contact with him anymore or you've got a separate friend. And then all of a sudden he starts coming back to you again and things don't seem quite right. But I, yeah. I do like the idea that Quentin well, is maybe Well, that's it. Maybe he starts there. contacting you via Gmail, but it's now he's hooked into the system. Now he's literally in the goo, oh. right? <laughs> and you don't, you don't know, you don't realise initially- and- is that where Act Two finishes? No, well, I think this is. I think that's when, still where Act you- One. Well, no, okay, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, like so, he starts getting in contact via your phone. This is after you've spent some time in the Jeeves facility. You've got some. You've had some discussions with Vista. I, I'm picturing, you know, um, you getting this mail from Jeeves saying, "Okay, leave now." From Quentin, um, Ming. and basically, uh, from, yeah, from from yep. Quentin, you, you open up the you open up the door and basically. Um, Quinton's giving you instructions yes. on, you know, hold here, wait for this guard to pass yes. and go now. And it's like, how, how are you knowing this? And, and you get into this thing and you just see your friend Quinton in this jar, like with electrodes yes. into his brain. And that's the end of the second act. Yes. <laughs> now oh my God. Now it's basically. This is so good. You two trying to escape the facilities, the third act. Oh yeah. You have to break him out. 
All right, so I like the idea then. I think you've got a third friend, and I think that's who you are also talking to in that first section. And so, Mm -hmm. and and mostly just because I want to bring a woman into it as well, but you manage to then get back in contact with her um, after you find him, right? Like maybe you you hadn't been out of. Okay. Is it Rachel? Oh, God. No. (laughs) I don't think she. I think she's literally just not. (laughs) She's not actually wrapped up. As in, in you think. No, she's not actually wrapped in it. She's okay. just called Rachel. <laughs> like you, you, okay, you make that a red going, Oh, my God. Yeah. Is, this, is this a weird thing? Like, this particular one? Well, I mean, there can be, like, intersex and stuff that can that can occur, I think, during development and that sort of thing. So, yeah, you could you could maybe give a red hair. But we don't I go down that You could give a red hair like in that direction yeah. that it was- that yep. maybe it was a genetically altered version of clone of Jeeves, but that no, that's not actually. Yeah, you, you maybe find some documentation on a failed experiment of of trying to create, yeah, like female Jeeves and and different, you know, altering the genetics in different ways. But it'll ultimately yeah. fail. Uh, but I do, I do like that as a little as a little red herring. And then I think basically she kind of takes over the position that. That Quentin was playing in act in at the end of Act Two, where now she's kind of guiding you um, in in different ways, yeah. and but I think now Jeeves himself is like contacting you as well, right? Yeah, I think he's he's mostly been kind of in this internet coma for this time where he's just working, but all of this stuff happening and disconnecting Quentin has like you know jolted the system, and so he's kind of. He's, he's he's achieved consciousness now, but he's also he's like uber powerful because he's been but he's basically been the internet in a lot of ways, or at least hooked directly into the internet yep. for twenty years. And so yeah, now he is like affecting things on your phone and and like sending you stuff and contacting you. And and this where where you actually get sort of like the AI almost attacking you sort of thing. Like yeah, well, I think he's in control of the comp, like in control of the the building. Um, Security, the security systems. And, the- uh, yeah. Oh my god. And, and then obviously you come up against Vista because she's, you know, she wants her husband back. Yeah. All right. So how how does it end? I mean, obviously you get out. Does Quentin survive? Maybe that could be a branching thing because that could be a. I, I kind of like the idea that that Quentin sacrifices himself to get you out. Mm, yeah. So in other words, he he lets himself get caught just so that you can so get that away. you can get away. Yeah, and you don't know what happens, but then there's this like great, you know, denouement where you're you're back home, or you're on the run, and then all like of a sudden, you get a message. You know, the the final scene in the in the in the thing, you're looking through your text, and all of a sudden you see those three little dots. Ah, uh, yes. On oh, name, that's good. That's, and that's good. It. Like you're like it you're going back over your last <laughs> conversation, and yeah, you just see the, the yep. three dots. Oh, <laughs> and they cut the black. Or like, or, or like, yeah. or maybe you literally got. You can sort of see yourself semi in the reflection of the phone. You see yourself give a little smile and smile. then cut to black. Oh, cut dude, black. that just gave yeah. me chills. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh god, I fucking that love that. That is amazing. <laughs> All right, well, we definitely need to end it there. Uh, that could that could that was almost yep. an episode in itself just on that idea. But I fucking love when that happens. So if you want to find us. Online, view our previous episodes, none of which are as good as this one. Sorry, that was the best thing we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Uh, you, can, you can check them all out there. Check out our creator profiles and see what other uh, shows we've guested on. 
We are also part of the 8-Bit Collective, and this is a, a group of like-minded podcasters who, you know, we all just we join together into this network and uh, help each other out. We're all friends. Uh, go to 8bit.net uh, to, to check out those other podcasts there. And we'd also like you to check out all our friends at the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Just check out hashtag AGPN or look for at AGP Network on Twitter or look for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. There are a group of like-minded individuals that just love video games and create a whole heap of podcasts about them. Finally, we'd like to thank Kuridas for the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on BitStorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I'm off to Ask Jeeves. 